Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn, and I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. We're your hosts. Hello. are here in Suzanne Kassler's office with Ashley Whitaker, New York designer, but originally a Florida girl, which I found out um, from your website. And your work has been featured in House Beautiful, Domino, Veranda, House and Home, New York Times, just last month in um, Flower Magazine. And your spaces are definitely bold in terms of color, but I feel like you're a traditionalist but in a fresh way. And we are so happy to have you. So thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. This is fun to be here today in Suzanne's beautiful office. Isn't it pretty? It's so pretty. pretty. It puts yes. us all to shame. I yes. know. I realize I need to up my office game. decided <laughs> after coming off the elevator here. Well, it was funny. So. Yesterday we were talking to one of Suzanne's employees. And Suzanne's office is, as you can imagine, very pastel and neutral and and every detail down to the staplers is like the staplers oh, are brilliant. white. The scissors are white. And so... Um, one of the people that works with her, she had on this beautiful like pastel pink dress yesterday, and we were like, "Has your has your the palette of your wardrobe changed since you started working for Suzanne?" She's like, "Yes, definitely." I know. <laughs> I know. We start. We do office. that too. We all start matching the schemes of whatever project we're working on. Like, we show up for a client meeting, and somehow <laughs> everyone's either in blue and white oh, or funny. pastels or you know army green you it's i think it's just subconscious it that happens is funny. it happens to all of us <laughs> <laughs> wow well i'm sure when you're you know you're so attuned to color as mm-hmm. i know Suzanne's team is and so it only seems natural that you would be loving a color in your design but then also being drawn to it out when you're shopping right. for you your notice wardrobe. it more yeah, maybe or exactly. something that, mm-hmm. that's true you do life life imitates art you do exactly. love color I do. Right. But it isn't like, I don't know, for some reason it all feels very restful. I don't know how to describe it because it doesn't feel, a lot of rooms that when we, when we talk into a designer, like, man, you love color. It's like color, but it, I don't feel like it is. But when you dig into your rooms, there's a lot of boldness there. I think what we do, I think it's really about finding a common thread that carries throughout the house. And I think that's what brings a restfulness to color. You're not walking into a room and saying, wow, it's blue. Wow, this is red. Wow, this is yellow. There's a common thread that follows throughout the the course of the house and the course of the rooms. And whether it's like a little bird we picked up in a de Gournay scenic paper, the tail of a bird in this wonderful Prussian blue, you know, we might use that in the library, a lacquered library off of that room. So so there's a restfulness that kind of comes with it as you transition room to room. And then I think the other thing that's important is, you know, even if you're using a splash of color, if it's a, you know, fabulous aubergine wall, you want to see that color in one other place in the room. And, you know, sometimes we'll accomplish that with with flowers and accessories, but just finding that little thread, even within the same room, brings a restfulness to it. So your eye has a place to rest. And I think that's a really important thing in decorating. It's like, where am I, where am I stopping? And we call it kind of stopping the madness, which, you know, I think a lot of people do nowadays. There's just sort of a madness to it that it's fun and it's very editorial, but it's not 
restful. Mm-hmm. Mm. Or particularly livable. Or particularly livable. Mm-hmm. That's true. Do you start a palette with a pattern and then pull the colors out of that? Often we do. And again, you know, back to it's being somewhat subconscious. We're not really thinking about it. It's not how I, it is actually how we approach the project, but it's not, you know, front of mind as we start pulling a fabric. We don't say, okay, this is what we're going to take throughout the course of the of the house. But it just kind of happens organically. Mm-hmm. And I think something that's very important in the way that we approach the process is showing the client the whole home from the very beginning. We don't come in and say, this would be pretty in the living room and this would be pretty in the dining room. Or, or even sometimes even giving them a lot of choices. Because when you say, do you like this living room or that living room? this dining room or that dining room, you lose your cohesion. So we like to present one house, one scheme for each room, and we've developed a thread that connects the rooms, connects the occupants, the viewers. Um, So I think that's a really, really important part of decorating. And then, you know, not everybody likes every single thing we present, but we've gotten, you know, 85% of it done and we'll go back and retweak the last 15%. But I think that's a really important thing that we do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it it just kind of tells a story from the very, very beginning. I feel like that's probably something that most people that are doing their own homes don't do that maybe they need to do. Right. I think that's probably a struggle because yeah. people really get caught up on – I was with a friend in the design world last night. She's not a decorator. And she's like, I can't make decisions. And I think it is. It's true. When you're trying to make the one-off decision, it's it's just a little bit harder instead of mm-hmm. looking at a cohesive picture of everything. And then you see how everything plays off of each individual item or piece of furniture or artwork, whatever it is. Practically, how does one do that in their own home? Like, do they need to have photos of it that they're looking at together? Because I imagine in your mind, you can envision all this together, right? Like, okay, that that shape works with that shape and that. But for a, a someone lay who, person, yes, yes a, I can imagine person. it's a little bit more. <laughs> um, it's it's more of a challenge. What I think is amazing is, and I don't do it. Are these um, storyboards that people do? I don't know if they do it in PowerPoint or what they do, but it's almost like making a collage mm-hmm. out of fabrics and colors and furniture. And I think maybe a person that's not a decorator. First of all, it would be fun to do, to sit down, take things out of magazines and create a little storyboard. And then maybe your living room's finished already and you can start with that. And then if you're working on the dining room, do a little storyboard for that too. And it might just be cutting something out of a magazine, cutting something out of um, the Ballard catalog that they like. And then they they can start to see that thread, how it's working through the house. And maybe what they're lacking in one room, you know, is there a color that they can pull from an existing room into another room? And it really does draw the viewer, draw the occupant sort of into the next. Well, one thing that I do, because I, I do like to make a collage. You do? She loves so, it a lot. Do you do them like in PowerPoint or what do you do? I do it in Photoshop, but okay. I mean, Photoshop. you don't That's need how they to do, do it in my, maybe yeah. in my office they do it in Photoshop. They put these rooms together. I'm like, how did you do that? <laughs> it's beautiful. amazing. Yeah. It really is fun. I mean, I, I am not even beginning to learn how to do it. So <laughs> you don't have lie to. Lie about it. But I'll, I'll find something. Yeah. I'll just Google like antique bow front chest. Yes. And find something that looks kind of similar to my own. Just so I can put it on the board and be like, okay, this this is the Makes vibe. Sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I don't necessarily go around and take picture, like catalog all of my things, but that way I can see like, okay, this is like the right 
you know, dark wood finish. Uh So I know once I put it next to the picture of the rug or whatever that it. What also probably helps go, okay, I've got this dark thing in there. Do I need to counterbalance that with something else that's dark? Do I need to add some different types of Mm -hmm. legs or upholstery or accessories that are going to help? And it's it's about, I think, as much as as it is finding color, it's about finding those contrasts too, like you're saying, like, you know, the, the antique chest with the white lacquer table, the kind of rustic chair with the, you know, refined metal side table. So um, I think that's kind of our two mantras in decorating. It's like finding that thread that carries you throughout the house, but also contrasts in decorating, I think, are just so important. Do you think most people worry too much about matching? Absolutely. Absolutely. My own mother is guilty. So I have to (laughs) pull her off of that ledge every once in a while. And does she listen to you? She does. She does. We just finished her house in Watch Hill. And um, she really gave us carte blanche to do it. I mean, it was it was a heavily cataloged, you know, house. We did a lot of Ballard and found a lot of great things online. Um, and she really just kind of let me do it and, and trusted the process, which I think is a really, really important thing in decorating. But not letting everything be too, too pretty, too, too matchy. Um, and I think that's where sometimes people, you know, can slip into that easily. I think with decorating, we're doing a panel today with um, Veranda Magazine about a return to pretty. And we've all said, you know, pretty is a hard word because you don't want it to be too pretty. You don't want it to be too perfect. You want those rustic elements. You want those, we, we were saying, kind of like grimy, dingy things that really make the prettiness shine. And if you don't have that, you're lacking that contrast. What's what's the ugly? Crusty. Yeah, what's the, the grimy thing that we bring in? For example, I just I was in this wonderful little antique mall yesterday in Atlanta, and I walked in. There were probably 200 vendors, and I walked in and I saw this fabulous root basket that was really really rustic. Um, what's a root basket? A root basket is, you know, I say root. I think it's like twisted, sort of gnarly wood woven into a basket. Oh. It almost feels like roots and I, I had a wonderful one that my dog chewed so <laughs> found another one carrying it back on the plane with me yes. um but I think that is something it's weird you know it's weird and rustic and not perfect not perfect um so I think it's those things that you need to to yeah. bring in and I think with also with antiques we're always looking for like what's the grime factor you mm-hmm. know a lot of times we'll deliver something to a client for example that the house that we were talking about. I think you might even see it in the Ballard video. There's a wonderful entrance hall table that we we bought in France and the base is rusted and the top's a little bit chipped and all these things. And the contractor, we delivered it for some reason really early, which we never do, but we just <laughs> had it sent to the house because we knew nothing could happen to it. It might even like get a little more patina during the construction <laughs> process. The contractor put it out on the street. He <gasps> thought it was garbage. No, and I had to no. tell the client, I'm like, that's when you know it's good. This is perfect. So we have it sitting. It's in front of this beautiful DeGournay scenic paper and our gallery de la la. I mean, it's just, it's a really, it's just chic. And it's not, it's not refined at all. Mm-hmm. And the room is very refined and the house is very refined. Um, so it's those things yeah. that keep it from feeling too pretty. That makes total sense to me because I always... I was telling my mom this, and she thought I was crazy. I liked, I loved to arrange flowers, and I was telling her, I always like to buy one flower or something that, like, 
it's almost ugly. Oh, you're like, you need is one this ugly or is this pretty? I don't know, but you need that in there. It like makes it look so much better mm-hmm. for some reason. I don't know why, but and you just articulated that perfectly. Yeah. It really makes the pretty wallpaper prettier, even pretty. Yeah, exactly. it's true. It's exactly. true. And we're not striving for perfection. And I think that's something that people really need to realize in their own homes is good decorating. It's not about its being perfect. It's about its feeling lived in and loved and collected. Not like you went into a showroom and just bought everything in one fell swoop. Karen, I think that the chairs that you just bought, Mm -hmm. you don't, I think you should maybe not refinish them. Really? They're kind of grimy. A little grimy. They are a little grimy. A little grimy's good. Yeah, I bought these chairs from Ballard that, you know, because we, we go over to France and we'll buy things. And then we had an antique sale at the office for the employees. And I was on the trip where we bought these chairs and I loved them when we bought them. They totally need to be recovered and all that stuff, but I was thinking I would have them refinished. But I don't know now. I'm now thinking, I haven't even seen me. the chairs and I, <laughs> like, I already no. agree. I say no. I'm going to show you a picture. Don't <laughs> refinish. <laughs> No? Try not to. I say try not to. Okay. You know, I mean, we do have some decorative painters that are so good. You actually, you think it's a, you know, 18th century paint mm-hmm. finish on it when they're finished with it. But even that, if you can keep it in the original, it's just better. And it has the history. You That's know? true. And there's just sort of a little bit of a story behind it. And every time somebody sits in it, you would say, everybody told me not to refinish these chairs, so I didn't. See? And <laughs> I don't know. You know, but it, it's, that's what makes it fun. That's what makes your house, again, lived in and loved. And there's, and there's a story. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as you refinish it, you kind of lose the story. That's very true. And I think I'm getting a little hung up on the, like, everything has to be just exactly right. Yeah. And I need to let go a little bit. I'm not at all controlling. Can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's letting go of that control. I Uh think that's that's really decorating 101. Like, let go of it. Don't don't strive for perfection because none of us are. Uh No one. But I perfectly imperfect. (laughs) One of your quotes was talking about how you're not not formally educated as a designer, but you're like, either get it or you don't. You get it or you don't. I have a and lot maybe of it. I don't get it. Yes, you do. Stop <laughs> it. I know you do. I haven't seen your house, but I already know. Ooh. I think that's it's it's very important. I have a lot of people that work for me that have gone to design school, and a lot of people that have not. And um, I think working for a good designer is just really the best education that there is out there. You know, but then you know, there's a lot of um, you know learning about historical styles and architecture, and really the history of great design. And Albert Hadley once said, if you if you don't understand an 18th century room and 18th century furniture, you can't decorate a room for today. So it's really just an understanding of that. And unfortunately in design school, you know, they spend so much time on the codes and the and the green the green building. And there's so much of that that they, I think they kind of lose um the important aspects of decorating, which is really very tactile and the soul, um, it sounds the like the soul of bit. it. And and someone who's worked for a great designer, I mean, they have these wonderful sources. And um, you know, I just think that can't be matched. Do you have some, you know, sources or like books or things that people could research to oh my help gosh. if they yes. wanted to educate yes. themselves? Billy Baldwin decorates is really 
my Bible. It really is. And then the other one that I love are Jeffrey Bill Huber's first books. I call it the Brown books. So I don't know what it's called. But <laughs> everyone in my office there, it's required reading. And it's wonderful. And Jeffrey talks about the furniture plan and the palette and you know maybe some of the things I'm reiterating right now because I learned them from um Jeffrey's books and um Billy Baldwin. There there are a lot of great books out there, but there are a lot of great reads. And I think that's very mm-hmm. important to read the decorating books from the greats. Okay. I love it. That's I'm great advice. Yeah. Yes. And that kind of actually weaves into my question I had for you next, which I you do so beautifully in so many rooms, is you do a lot of great seating arrangements. Yes. Um, you can take a kind of funky layout and you've perfectly figured out, well, we'll do two chairs and a table over here by the fireplace. Um, and you had in your Darien, uh, in your portfolio, yes. in the Darien home, mm-hmm. you, there's a fireplace and then there's two setback windows on mm-hmm. either side. And you have, um, you've placed a sofa perpendicular to the fireplace. Right. And then in, in one of the corners that kind of the windows in, you've done a banquette like perfectly mm, yes. in there. And the room looks wonderful. And I would have just never thought, well, let's scoot a little banquette in this side and make a seating area. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do this in a few places. So I was just wondering if someone has even like a long rectangular room um, with a fireplace in the middle, how would you even entertain that layout? Well, I think you know? the first thing we're always trying to think about is, A, how is the room going to be used? Um and nowadays, I mean, there's just not really such thing as kind of formal entertaining like we used to consider it. It's, mm-hmm. And also, I think people's spaces, they really, really use them. And that's one of our most important focuses to what we do from a decorating standpoint is making sure clients really use their rooms. And so I would look at a room like that and say, what's going to bring the kids in here on a Sunday afternoon to play a game? You know, maybe it's a, a game table in the corner Everyone loves a, a corner banquette. It's the first place that people go down to sit and have a cocktail if you're entertaining. Um, getting furniture kind of out of the center of the room, I think people just sort of set up the sofa and the chairs around the fireplace, and then there's a sofa table behind the sofa, and that's kind of it. And I think that was a very difficult room to approach because it was a door wet doors and windows on all four sides so it was a way to pull something out of the center of the room mm-hmm. and out to the windows and we actually we covered some of the sill height with that banquette which is something that you know one might not think is okay to do and it certainly was um and then we had to rethink the window treatments we did roman shades instead of curtains because we would have curtains falling behind that banquette so you know, there's so many layers and aspects that go into it. Um, but I think it's also about how to make a formal room playful so it's approachable. And my, that particular client just posted the cutest picture of her son. They're sitting in that ticking, um, you know, 18th century style chair. She's the son is jumping on her and she's got him upside down. It's Easter Sunday. They must have been opening the Easter baskets in the room. But it's like nothing makes you feel better as a decorator than seeing every room lived in. And the other thing I say is my goal when I decorate. I said, I want to come back in 15 years. I want this living room like I want the arms worn out on the (laughs) chairs. I want chips on the coffee table. I want this room lived in. Mm-hmm. You know, we're mm-hmm. not creating showpieces. They should look beautiful, um, but they should be used. 
yeah. really most important. And I think, and, and back to your point, I think creating an interesting furniture plan is what draws people into a room when it's inviting and accessible. So you you did have this quote. This kind of speaks to the why and like the function of the room. But you had this quote on your. It must have been in Flower Magazine about um, you get caught up in the smaller details of the design aspect, but you should let's see. You said the hows and whys are really the questions you need to answer. So is the why just the function of the room? Like, what are those questions we need to ask before we start anything else? Well, I think that um, you know, there's a there's an adage that. Form follows function. So I think that's really just an important thing to think about. And that just kind of goes back to how is this room going to be used? How many children? How many dogs? How many? Is it a weekend house? Is it a dining room, for example? We like to set it up so kids can sit at the dining room table and do homework. So it's used. Otherwise, they might have, you know, six formal dinner parties a year. But the house that's in your video currently, the dining room, there's four kids in there every single night sitting around doing their homework and they have dinner on a tray or whatever they do. But it's it's in one of the most beautiful rooms in their house and there's nothing precious about it. It's a great um Georgian dining table we bought at auction that wasn't expensive and leather on the chairs that can't be you know, ruined very easily. And just thinking about things like that, you know, nothing's precious, nothing's unapproachable, but it can still look amazing. And I think that's something really, really important that we try to achieve. So what is the, what is the part of the room that you like to be the pretty? The part, oh gosh, that's hard to say. (laughs) I think everything um, 18th century, is pretty, you know, and we always try to incorporate at least, you know, a couple sort of 18th century furniture shapes, whether it's Louis 15, Louis 16, wonderful, like low slipper chairs. Um, That can be very pretty. I think the other thing that we start with a lot on a project are the walls. That's kind of our starting point always. Like, what do we want to see enveloping us? Um, And sometimes that can be the pretty part of a room. We do a lot of scenic wallpapers. And, you know, I think the way to describe them is just pretty. You know, they Mm -hmm. really, really are. Um, And sometimes it's a floral fabric that we've kind of started with as our launching point for a room. So it really can be anything. I think to answer your question, um, it can be anything as long as you have that balance. Uh The wallpapers are stunning that yes. you're putting in oh, a lot of these you. rooms. Thank you. And I think I think a lot of people are afraid of wallpaper still, even though it's like, come on, it is here. It I is know, fabulous. I know. It's true. There's I mean, so even many like some of my friends, I'm like, maybe you should put up wallpaper. And they look at me like I'm insane. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, look around. Have you wow. seen a magazine in the last I know. five years? There's a lot of it out there. I'm you know, it's the one thing um that you I know, think I think people have like, PTSD, honestly, about it. <laughs> yes, there's a lot. Oh, you mean thinking from like maybe being born or, or yeah, being raised like, in like really, the 1980s mm-hmm, with yeah. bad wallpapers. And it was hard to get down. That's and- true. That's true. But I've always committed early and often, even when I was in rental apartments in New York City, the first thing I did was put up wallpaper. Like, I'm not going to live here for two years to see if I like it to then decide to paper it. Agreed. And in every place that I've been that I've really kind of decorated and completed, I've stayed for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So it's a commitment. Yes, it's a pain when the landlord's mad at the end. But (laughs) But now they um, have the easy strip ones. That's true. Exactly. I know. I know. And so many options on that front, too. But so so many of the designs that you're putting up are super classical. 
you know, florals and, but they don't feel old lady. How are you making that balance? Well, I think the balance there is if we find a very traditional furniture shape, we try to mix a fabric that feels a little more contemporary on that. And then Mm -hmm. if there's maybe a slightly more contemporary furniture shape, we'll kind of reach to something that has more of a classic appeal for that. So again, back to the contrasts, you know, like beautiful 18th century chair, wonderful geometric fabric, um, you know, and or vice versa, a mm-hmm. St. Thomas sofa with a fabulous right. chintz or something or just chintz pillows. So, you know, that's that's kind of where we start on mm-hmm. that. And, and that's why I think our projects, they don't feel old. They feel youthful. They feel traditional and youthful. That's kind of my... Um, you know, I like that to sort of be my calling card, I guess, if you could call well, it. I, I, and I feel like that totally comes through because you'll look through and be like, wow, mm-hmm. this is something very fine, but it feels playful. Yeah. And those right. aren't necessarily two adjectives right. you would mm-hmm. use next to each other. Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. I noticed that you use a lot of jewel tones. We do. We do. And we love velvet. And I think velvet in a jewel tone is a really, mm-hmm. really dramatic, rich, colorful, you know, it just it it brings a lot of depth to a room. I think the jewel tones do, um, and it's something we use a lot of velvet in decorating, and a lot of people get worried about it. And um, I worked for Markham Roberts for a long time, and he would say it's just corduroy without the ribbing in it. I mean, it's nothing. It's nothing <laughs> it's not to precious. be afraid of. It's right. really not precious. A lot of them are not even expensive, um, but I think it brings it sort of elevates a room. It's also very comfortable. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we do we love that. But uh, but to your point about the jewel tones, we do we love just like an aubergine or a kind of like dark Prussiany blue and. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful reds. And but I've noticed you'll do that even in a pastel room. Like it'll be all pastel yeah. and then suddenly like a chocolate brown chaise. Yeah. yeah. And it feels normal. I would never be, I would be like, everything has to be right. the same palette. But you're <laughs> right. doing this yeah. weird thing with yeah. like, you're mixing these like light palettes with dark palettes. Right. I don't know. Cause usually it's either one way or the other. To me, yeah. is that true? Am I making all this up? I don't know. No, but I think jewel tones are per, are the perfect example of that because they're not they're not brown, they're not gray, you know. So that's kind of um, those would be your your darker tones. But when they're in jewel tones, they have kind of a lightness and a brightness to them, even though mm-hmm. there's a lot of depth in the color. So maybe that's the kind of darker point that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But if it's in a jewel tone, it kind of has a um, it has a real life to it and a, and a, almost playfulness. Well, I feel like a jewel tone is just your pastel palette, like, turned up the volume. Yeah. Sure. I mean. Turn it up the volume. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. We're I'm, always working I'm, on the value scale. Yeah. Yes. So. Looking at your palette, I feel like it's more obvious that, yes. like, it's the same color. It's just a different value of the color, exactly. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. It, are there any other colors that are sort of on your horizon that you're being drawn to more recently? Oh, well, well, we just built a house up in Millbrook, New York. And so that's like the camouflage capital of the world, I like to call it. <laughs> and so everything I do, we keep going back to this kind of, I call it camouflage green, but that wonderful kind of mm. murky, saturated green. And it's just, it's a wonderful, it's really just a neutral and it's a color that plays so well with the kind of jewel tone um, mm-hmm. palette. So I feel like we've been playing a lot with that kind of um, murky, green. murky green. We call it camo green. There's <laughs> a lot of green in your portfolio. There is a lot of green. Uh-huh. I and consider myself a blue person, but I think there is. There's a lot of green. Well, even in like a blue room, you'll have green. 
Sure. Yes. It, it's it's yes. it was really interesting to me because I don't feel like I see a lot of green. We've been noticing at work that it's kind of on the uptick. Yes. And you know, next year we're going to be doing some more intense greens mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, so I was surprised to see so much of it, like yeah. starting picture in your portfolio. Is that green. is interesting. Yes, mm-hmm. I've always been a blue person, and I think um, I think there's just there's a lot of blue out there right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not a conscious decision, but I think maybe we're sort of pulling away from it a little bit. And um, you know, we, you never know what's going to happen. I don't know. I'm not. I don't really think ahead. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not there's making no any plans. Ball. There's no crystal ball. It's Everything sort of happens. Every project to, is different. Right? Exactly. Yeah. What's going on around me? Um, so, what if a client comes to you and is like, "I hate blue and green. What are you going to do? Blush." Well, that would be fun. You know, honestly, that would be a challenge. And and yeah. and, and there is something with most projects. There's something that they know from the beginning that they don't want. Mm-hmm. Then we usually present it once, and then they say, "No, I still hate it," or they, or they kind of change their mind once they see it. again. Back right. to that like whole house decorating. They understand it's like a small, you know, it's a tiny aspect of you know a certain room, but it's important in this room because of this. So right. we can kind of walk them through that and kind of take them off a ledge a little bit of the time. And that's that's really our job is right. to take them out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone says, "I hate blue," well. Let us show you blue in another way that right. you haven't seen before and you may not have thought of. Do you um, hate the sky? Do you hate the ocean? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I know. No one's ever said they hate blue. To be I do. Honest. I don't like blue. Is there something? Really? That, I don't like it in my house too much, even really? though I just painted my whole basement blue. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, well, that's a good saying, starting I, I point. You have, have a warm home. Blue. Yeah. You have a warm home. Mm-hmm. You walk in and it feels very warm. So maybe your palette is is not blues because right. it's, it's a warmer palette. Mm-hmm. I f- that's how I feel. What? It feels warm, but it's all it's gray. It's yeah, my cool. house is gray. I don't know what Taryn's talking about. I oh. feel very warm. <laughs> the feeling is warm. The, the color is maybe, maybe your grays are warm. The <laughs> yes. more you know, there they is are. not cold. Grays. And I do think They're, that's that's something important. I think for people gray. to understand the difference between warm colors and cool colors, mm. um, understand the value scale. So. You know, we're always talking to painters and we say the tone is right, the value is wrong. You know, like you've got the color right, but Mm -hmm. I want a more saturated version of that color. So it's actually something worth, I think, as a decorator, just understanding the difference between tone and value because it comes up and comes up and comes up when you're talking about floors, when you're talking about furniture, when you're talking about fabrics and you're saying, um, you know, we'll pull in a very saturated color and kind of a you know, a, a more tonal room, um, that's the value. You know, we're maybe taking a mm. color that's already existing in that room and we're just pulling it into a deeper value. Mm-hmm. Got it. So like the tone is like the amount of, maybe if, if it's a blue, like the amount of green or yellow exactly, in the blue. Exactly. So okay. you can have grays, a perfect example. You have warm grays and you have cool grays. That's yeah. the tone. And then grayscale is really value. Like how far up is it on the grayscale? If you took a black and white picture of it, what would that look like? Got it. You know, what would be, you know, stronger? What would be weaker? So should we use like one tone throughout? I mean, obviously so, you're going to deviate from that's that. That's kind of hard to answer because, but I think. Not um, too perfect. I again. think that's, pro- no, but I think that's <laughs> probably right. Like we stay within a certain tone if we're working in a room and we're working in blues you know a lot of them will be cooler a lot of them will be you know 
for the most part, we would keep it cool or keep it warm, and then we might play with the value. Got it. Well, I guess that goes back to the common thread. Again, if you went to one room that's like strikingly different tones, you would feel strikingly different. Yes, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Well, and you, of course, would be breaking more like rules, and I'm using rules in quotation marks, but for someone that's just starting out and like doing their own home and not hiring a designer, maybe that's a good way to educate themselves yeah and i think absolutely avoid the matching but yes 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 and you also it helps you talk to people it helps you talk to people that are creating something for you and then Mm -hmm. you can you know have the the um you know your vocabulary correct and it helps um do you i want to talk a little bit more about the moving from room to room as well Mm -hmm. because i felt like in your portfolio there was a story and you could see the the thread mm-hmm. between the rooms, but how are how do you do that flow where you might move from something that's an aubergine right. to more of a red or something? I just I feel like you well, do it so elegantly. Right. I you know, I can't explain exactly how we do it, but but we do it's magic, Carol. It's like it is a it's little definitely not magic. I know. <laughs> I tell you, it's For not. people who doesn't come naturally to it seems magical. Yeah, mm-hmm. we are um we're, we really sort of look for that color thread, but again, it's not conscious. Conscious. It's like it just sort of happens, and then we start to see the evolution of it as we start putting out our storyboards. We start seeing like, oh, there's this kind of green thread that's that's mm-hmm. weaving through the house, and that goes back to value and tone. Right. So we just finished a house in Greenwich, and there's this wonderful. Um, man's library that's just kind of all sorts of murky greens and this great David Hicks carpet and like blues and um, kind of weirdo greens. And then next to it is a sunroom that's like bright blue, bright green. So completely different tones, Mm -hmm. but of the same color. Um, They feel completely different, but they're connected. Okay. That makes sense. If that makes a little bit of sense. So, um, it's just finding that thread, you know, and I think yeah. if people did a little like storyboard or like you do with just, you know, cutting and pasting some pictures and sort of seeing where they are and maybe seeing it on paper sometimes is easier than walking through the house because yeah, right. you can really see easily where you might want to fill in or bring something in that's interesting or mm-hmm. different or yeah. add to the mix. You, what we talked earlier, earlier a little bit about your traditional bent and how you love, um, traditional things, but contrasted. But what sort of traditional elements do you find yourself gravitating towards? Is it, a, you know, a trim, a bullion fringe, a oh, chintz? We love, we love a bullion fringe. We love it. We love a chintz, but we are always, we're kind of looking for a different colorway in it, mm-hmm. you know, not something you've seen 500 times before. So, um, you know, someone like Ali Jofa might um, custom color something for us that, and that gives it that freshness. So, a nail head. You love a nail head. We love a nail head. We love, love a, a camp and a nail head. Let's talk about that nail head you put in that powder room. Come on. Oh, which I which one? Is it bar, dark it was blue? A navy blue powder room. Navy blue powder room. And then you did a gold nail head, like a brassy nail yes. head around yes. the edge of, <gasps> right. next to the trim. On a bright green gimp. You do a yes. lot of little, like that little detail feels oh, very. It's those finish, yeah, it's those finishing details that I think really, really make the difference. Um, and I think that's the important thing about, you know, even if someone's doing a house on their own, it's really connecting with their 
vendor or their artisan. I mean, it can be the wallpaper guy, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And you just say, you know, there's a trim running down the side of this paper. Is there an interesting way we could use this? Could we not just put it around the ceiling? Could we go up and around the doorways? Could we use it on the windows? Um, really looking at what's at your disposal and saying, how can I do this differently? Mm-hmm. If it's a if it's a ticking and you're upholstering a sofa, you know, could the run, the the front side of the cushions maybe that ticking runs on a bias, you know? Ooh, so just love that idea. Thinking, you know, what could we add a, a yeah. small tape trim to the base of the skirt? You know, alternating size nail heads. They're just little little things that I think people can look for. You know, whether it's on a decorator's website or in the magazine, certainly, and. You know, seeing seeing what could be fun and mm-hmm. finding ways to incorporate it because it doesn't make it necessarily more expensive. You know, to say run the ticking on the bias across the front of the curtain, across the front of the um, cushion, doesn't mean it's more expensive, but it's right. certainly more interesting. Right? Is any detail too small? No. I don't think so. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, You know, we always line our curtains. We have a ticking that, you know, is $15 a yard that we use for almost every single curtain. And it means as you approach the house, you know, you see something through the windows that's not just white curtain lining. And it's not more expensive, but it adds that layer of kind of thoughtfulness. Like, have I thought about this? So that's something very, very important to us, even as we sit down and do work orders. Like, okay, this looks good. Now what? You know, Mm -hmm. now what layer can we add to this upholstery or curtain or bed hanging, whatever it is? So it sounded when you were talking earlier about um, having a story for the whole home and not just one room. Are the clients that you're working with, are you sort of doing everything from soup to nuts like you're picking out the bathroom trash can and then we were talking about yeah Suzanne's trash can trash that, that we like but Love are you doing trash can. I have like five of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah. good trash cans are hard to find they're hard to find mm-hmm. I agree so are <laughs> so are you doing everything from top to bottom or do you go sort of how do you do you take what they've already got like how well I think for the most part we do we do top top to bottom but everyone comes with something and some things and um it's about maybe curating what they have and there's certainly a lot of things that you know they may feel strongly about using and we will do our absolute best to incorporate them into the design Mm -hmm. and then there are things that just don't work and you know you have to be very strong about it like don't hire me to, you know, create this beautiful room and then there's a certain painting you want to use that just throws the whole room off. Like you have to just be so honest when it's really not working. And you have to be very creative to make certain things work that, you know, you can make it work. You know, maybe it's painting their, you know, grandmother's Chippendale dining chairs, Chippendale style dining chairs from the 1950s, convincing them we need to give these a, a coat of like a gesso white or something. And so mm-hmm. kind of convincing them to see their things in a new way. Mm-hmm. And also if they have a collection, um, kind of curating it and, you know, maybe it's all in, you know, massing their collection. So it's all together and it really tells a story and it's not just kind of scattered throughout the house. Makes a statement. What should we do if we have a dining room set or a bedroom set? Oh, okay. Paint. Paint. So we, I feel strongly about having, I like a dark table with light chairs. I like 
dark chairs with a light table. I think that's one of the first places where you can say you need contrast. So send the dark table out to be l- lacquered mm. in like a great white or send the chairs out to have someone do, we call it a chippy white finish or a white gesso finish. Um, paint one or the other. Okay. I think that's really important. And, and a bedroom set would be the same thing. Um, change the finish on something. So the styles might match, which is fine, but it's those finishes that'll really, you know, make make each of them look important and different and make them pop. Mm-hmm. Got okay. it. One other thing I noticed that you said is that I like to take a dark room and make it darker. Yeah. I think that's true. Talk about that a little bit, because I feel like we're like, oh, it's dark. I have to paint it white. Right. I think that's <laughs> true. We um, we did a library on um, Lower Fifth Avenue in New York City, and it was well, it wasn't actually. I, I take that back. So this is, this is a sort of a different example. It was actually a really bright, sunny room. So this is this is a different example. But um, everyone thought this bright, sunny room had to be so bright. I'm like, no, we're going to do a blue lacquer cabinet. We're going to do dark blue grass cloth. Um, and that made a really, really cheery room that was a very dark, you know, all the colors in it were very saturated, mm-hmm. but that sunshine coming through made it so like cheery and added such a lightness to it. But as far as taking a dark room and making it darker, weirdly, I think it can make it even seem brighter sometimes because back to your contrast, you have dark walls and then you see that little bit of light coming through the window and that becomes such a mm-hmm. punctuation point that you see it. Mm, you know, right. if the whole room were white and then you just had this little bit of light streaming through, you know, maybe one small window, you wouldn't really see that light. But if you have a dark room and you paint it dark, when you see that little bit of outside or that glimpse, you're like, oh, there's the brightness. Yeah. There's the light. That makes a lot of sense. I never thought about it that way with the window. So yeah. do we do we need Or even it? a basement, you know, it, a basement doesn't have to be painted white. You know, Mm-mm. it can be. No, I just painted my whole entire basement, floor, ceiling, trim, everything, like a g- glossy peacock blue. Yes, fabulous. It is so good. See? It is so good. So, you've already, <laughs> you answered your own question. That's exactly what you should have well, done. because I'm like, I'm never going to make this light. No. So, and just bring it into like it. And make it like a, you know, all these like powder rooms. I think a lot of times a powder room, we tend to go kind of darker mm-hmm. because there's no natural light, right. you know, a lot of the time. And make it sexy. Make it a little jewel box. Make it unexpected. And to your to our point about having this common thread carry throughout the house, I think a lot of times I like to take the powder room and let that be, what have we not seen in this house? Like, is there no yellow? Is there no what a great aubergine? Idea. What have we not seen? So it becomes this like, punch. wow, punch. And I think that's a really fun thing to do in a powder okay. room. I, I have a house I was in here in Atlanta, the whole house, real neutral, kind of grays and whites. And then you go into the bar, mm. lacquered yellow. Totally, yes. Oh, and it was fun. just like, oh, this is fabulous. Yeah. So unexpected. So it makes you appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's again, it's the contrast, you know, and that's what makes it pop. And if you'd walk through that entire house and one room was red and one room was orange and one was blue and one was purple, and then you had a yellow bar, you'd say, right, right. so what? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I want to do something fun. Karen, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have well, any love, spaces left. I love left. the basement already. I, I know. This is sounding very chic. It's it good. is your punch. You open it that is. door and boom. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Good. Speaking uh-huh. of which, Karen, we have not been invited over to see your basement. You're going to see it Monday because oh. we're doing a podcast there. 
Oh, that's right. Okay, never Okay, mind. you'll see it. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we should answer a decorating dilemma. Help us with our dilemma. I, I love a dilemma. Give okay, me a dilemma. Great. So this dilemma is from Jennifer. And she has a house built in, te- in Texas, built in 1996. She says she's trying to de-beige and de-boob light it. Mm, and there is a... <laughs> I'm sure y'all have all probably seen one of these before, but it's essentially a platform, sort of like a ledge, but a really big, deep ledge over the top of her front door. She has so, a two-story entry. Yeah. Yes. So if you open the front door, it's literally the space over the like overhang of the, like if you walk up to the front door, you're covered. This it's is above space, your head. Yes, it's above your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys, you know, those two-story foyers that have the window above the front door, and you can see like a chandelier through it. Yes. Yeah. You know those houses? We okay, that's them. the house she lives in. Mm-hmm. And so she only has three questions. Should I? How can I decorate that platform above the front door? Which you can't. When you walk up the stairs, you're looking like directly at it. Yes, right. understandable. And then t- uh, who invented those stupid things? I don't know. I want right, to kill them. Right, right, right. Number two, what window treatment should I put in that window? And three, what height should she hang her new chandelier that's going to go in that foyer? Yes. Okay. So to start with the first question about the ledge, I think you leave that ledge undecorated. You can't even, you can't get to it. You'd have Mm. to be on a, you know, a ladder. Mm. Exactly. Like Mm -hmm. two story ladder to get up there to decorate it. So it feels very unnatural to me and back to form follows function. You can't even get there to add something. I mean, maybe there's some like fabulous sculpture she could put in front of the window. I mean, I would even be hard pressed to find something (laughs) that would look that great up there. So I think you might want to just ignore that personally. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have, have handled this before where we've actually put a plantation shutter on that window. So it becomes less of a window. You still get the light coming through it and you can um, maneuver the, um, vertical slats so you can adjust the light that comes through but it just becomes a little bit more architectural mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. like it's so much of a window um, and then hanging the light fixture i always like to be on the second floor reaching out from the from the balcony and i want to be able to touch that light fixture the top of it or? i just like i want it to just be kind of like at the center where i could reach out whether i'm touching it or not okay. i want it to be at that kind of height where I feel like if I leaned way, way, way over, I could touch it because what that does is it connects it to both spaces. Ah. So it's kind of hanging somewhat in the middle of the space, but it's not dropped down below that balustrade on the second floor. So, um, because normally our rule is seven feet for a, a light fixture, but you certainly wouldn't drop this all the way down. So you just have all you'd see from the top chain. floor is a big chain. Mm. Right. So I always want to explain to my contractors, I'm always leaning over the edge with like a <laughs> ruler or something like, I want it right here, right here. And, you know, just kind of, you know, it's conceptual, but I want to feel like I could reach out and touch it from the second floor. So then it belongs okay. to both floors. Well, the other great thing about that too, is it, that would if she did like a really fabulous light fixture and something really big. Absolutely, let fix both problems. That be, but also right. let that be the decorating. Because you know, then you because won't see that dumb bench, yeah. right? And I do notice that she mentioned in here. There's nowhere for her to stop the paper. So this is something where I would probably spend a lot of time looking for a real like statement light fixture in this yeah. room. Something with some scale. 
um, something that maybe was kind of like branchy and had some um, mm. different bulbs going on. Even that wonderful, the the Miles Red kind of white gesso light fixture that mm, you all I are doing now one. could be interesting in there. Mm. And then if she paints the room like a, a fabulous, you know, maybe it's a peacock blue. Maybe it's a, mm-hmm. a great color that contrasts with that white. That oh, fixture yes. really becomes like a showstopper. And that's sort of all you need. Like, don't try to take an awkward space and sort of over-decorate it because I think you might just be highlighting more of the um, awkwardness of right. it. Yeah. And she mentions the Moravian star pendant from us. I think that's too small. It's Way too small. Too small. Yeah, and there's too only small. one bulb in it. You yeah. need some statement. You need a statement. And in. also, you want to make sure, like, the one you have now, when you're on the second floor, you're looking down, you can see all those bulbs. You don't want anything like you that. You don't want to see the bulbs. You, you need like a see real chandelier yeah. with multiple yeah. bulbs and exactly. like it mm-hmm. probably needs to be pretty huge bulbs, too. Yeah. Well, one right? rule of I think an important rule for light fixtures is you take the length and the width of the room in feet and you add them together. So if you have a 15 by 15 room, you add those those feet together and you get 30. Your light fixture needs to be 30 inches oh. in diameter. But this isn't so, a very big hallway. But it's, it looks it's like, like it's like but that's six the point. by six, yeah. so that'd be 20, oh, so it'd be like a, a 12 by 12. No, six by six would only be 12. 12 right. inches. And then, so that's not quite big enough, but, but I, this, I think like this is bigger. But see, if she starts, chandelier. if she really takes the spaces and kind of expands, yeah. you know, mm. wall to wall, I think it would mm-hmm. probably actually be substantially bigger okay. than that. Yeah, agreed. So the wallpaper is a bad idea just because there is no well, way to stop it. Well, we haven't mentioned the wallpaper. So she did say, could should I cover, she has an entry hall. And there's like an entry bench or something in there. And she's like, I, th- I was thinking about putting wallpaper behind that coat rack, but I don't know where to stop it, right? Well, so that's a, that is one of the issues with wallpaper. And when we come in to do a construction project, the first thing we say to the contractor is we need to case this opening because we need to stop the wallpaper. Um, so maybe, you know, I know it would involve somewhat of like a contractor or carpenter coming in, potentially casing that Arch, archway, and that would give her a place to stop the paper. Mm-hmm. But okay. can't really stop the paper on just a corner. It just doesn't feel. It doesn't feel finished. Right. Mm-hmm. And but like, a wonderful colored grass cloth and a mm-hmm. big, like a bigger woven. Um, you know, Philip Jeffries has these great, mm-hmm. just kind of like chunky grass cloths that come in a lot of color. And I think that that kind of chunkier feeling would give her some kind of importance in this room because it's such a big space. You don't want some tiny, tiny, tiny little woven. I think the scale would be off. Yeah. I mean, you've got such height in there. Go bold. Like even her tiny little mirror that she has over her entry That needs to be about six times as big. Right. It needs to Mm -hmm. blow that up. So a great, that's actually a great idea is between the light fixture and the mirror, those are kind of your two moments to really make a statement and so those would be great things to show off. Mm-hmm. Cool. And this looks like a shoe cabinet that's right by her front door. And I just wanted to say we're selling this really cute one that I designed at Valor that does hold your shoes that's lower that you could do a big, gorgeous mirror over. Oh, there you go. Um, so great. Yeah, like she can't – can she see herself in that mirror? We'll put a link. We'll have to put a link. <laughs> yeah, the mirror is not a practical mirror. I think it's just – Decorative. Right. Well, the right. cabinet's also, it's very high. I don't think she needs well, look, a cabinet quite that high. Yeah, it looks like she needs to utilize this too. So I didn't, you know, we need something that's, you know, Some not too deep. No, yes. that one that you, that we just we came out with is really good looking. 
for you would never know that there were you like didn't dirty choose shoes in there. Oh, interesting. It's like anyway, a Taryn design portable mudroom. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I feel like there's a lot. There's a lot of people who have bought these homes where there isn't a mudroom. Yes. And yes, you yes. you have to enter through the front door. You have kids. And you you got don't stuff. want shoes tracked through your house. So and true. I feel like so many people in these smaller bungalows and have to deal with this. And so it is like what is beautiful that can hide. I know. That's our hardest. Well, we just I just built a house in Millbrook as I was saying before, and my big thing about this house was. I want to use the front door. I think people build these elegant, beautiful houses. They never walk through their mm-hmm. entrance hall. And it's just, it's the prettiest mm-hmm. part of our house. The problem is everybody uses the front door. So I have... Oh, so there's stuff. The UPS man uses the front door. <laughs> My son uses the front door. Everybody traipsing through. So I end up with all... We have this fabulous mudroom that... I mean, it gets no used to some extent, but every day there's shoes in my front hall and there's <laughs> UPS boxes in my front hall. I'm like, this is my beautiful entrance hall that, you know, I had delusions of grandeur of like you know, walking through. <laughs> it is true. You want down. it to be you this moment be of welcome, but, but it's, it's back used. to my, it's back to mm-hmm. my use your pretty spaces. And mm-hmm. I would sacrifice a couple shoes lined up in there for the fact that it's used, right? Yeah. The UPS sure. boxes could go. Her, name, her name's Haley. Oh, good she's looking. Simple. Wow. She's super simple. Chic. You can't, like, you'd look at the mirror. You great. Look at it looks like a lime so dope. It's the Haley. Yeah, that's it's a great lime looking. Just plain yep. drawers, a couple drawers there, in there. Smart. And then a peacock wall, like Love. you said. Do all of that in peacock with a white chandelier yep. and a big white mirror, yep. and you'd be like, done. Done. Yeah. Okay. Am I and gross? a runner. I don't, I don't know what her runner is, but a runner is a great place to make a statement. I don't. Take my shoes off at the front door. I walk to my closet and take them a off. A lot of people closet. have shoeless houses, though. Mm-hmm. We don't, but we live in Millbrook and everything's muddy. So it's not even a matter of like, no shoes in the house. It's just not even practical to walk through with your okay. muddy shoes on. Mm-hmm. Like my sister has one a home essentially like this where you open the door and to the left she has like 10 inches of depth to the side of the door where she can, she has again this, I think. This one, there's, Ikea has one where it's this flop-out shoe storage because all the kids, she doesn't want the kids walking all yeah, the way the upstairs. Yeah, it's the kids. With their sh- it's the kids. Yeah. It's not you. It's the kids. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, I know quite In a some few people cases. that have sho- shoeless homes. Yeah, that's true. No, I don't. I don't. I, I walk around my house with my shoes, but some people take their shoes off right when they come I in. mean, I take, I don't walk around with shoes on. I just, you go to your room, take them off and go there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kid is going to break your rules. You yes. just wait, little lady. <laughs> Take your shoes, shoes off, little shoes girl, yet. and walk into your room right That's now. Right. I know. Such pesky kids. I haven't crossed that bridge yet. <laughs> it's coming. Ashley, thank you so much. Thank you. What practical advice. Well, I had such a nice time, and I love seeing Suzanne's beautiful office. It's pretty, right? I know. Oh, you girls. We wish we were here all day. I uh-huh. know. Um, tell everyone where they can find you, see your work. They can find us. um, Follow us, first of all, on Instagram. um, And we are Ashley, or I guess at Ashley Whitaker Design. Mm -hmm. And then. It's two T's in Whitaker. It's two T's in Whitaker. Just so everyone knows. And our (laughs) website is AshleyWhitakerDesign.com. And all our work is there. And it'd be fun to have people visit us. And it's good stuff. People go follow us on Instagram. I have pinned so many of your things. So I feel like any listener would do the same. There's so (laughs) many gorgeous inspirations. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. We appreciate it. All right. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. Send us your questions at podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Someone very talented will help you answer your burning decorating dilemmas. Burning. I don't know. I feel like all of our listeners are very lucky. 
the I ones agree. that have written in. So <laughs> <laughs> I might write one in one day. We slip ours in. Yeah, that's that's, that's true. true. That's true. We do. <laughs> Actually, this true. is really good. Um, yeah, yeah. name. <laughs> Jennifer, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, we will put links to your Flower magazine and um, the Veranda article. Um, that we talked about and the little video that we did together. Wonderful. Thank you for being in that. We appreciate it. It's, it's really fun. And we'll put links to all that good stuff in our show notes, which are at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. Um, if everyone would go into their Amazon account and enable their Alexa skill, you can listen to the How to Decorate podcast from your Alexa. That's wow. fabulous. So go do that. <laughs> and um, yeah. follow us on social media. Until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.